Hello and welcome to episode 373 of the Fabulous Pelton Cast, sponsored by our friends at Pagliacci Pizza. I'm your co-host, Kevin Pelton. And I'm Tristan Carcino. And we are coming to you from Renton, Washington, home of the Super Bowl 48 champion, Seattle Seahawks. Hello! Okay, I was a little worried from the hell, your original, I'm Tristan Carcino, what kind of energy we were getting here. Oh, you know what kind of energy you're getting here every week. It is the, I have no idea. Ray Roberts. Ray Roberts, okay. Yeah. 73. Yeah. We're back into offensive lineman territory, oh, baby. We are just fully into linemen of all sorts. So it's that time of year. Uh, is well, it that time of year? Well, it's the time of, I guess <laughs> the, it's every t- the time of every two years based on the <laughs> approximate chronology of the Pelton cast. So uh, any more Taylor Swift takes this week before she nope. plays Seattle this weekend? Wow. That's this weekend already? It's this weekend. Man. Yes, the summer have, is flying by. I, I have uh, no more Taylor Swift takes. I'm going to be in Chicago this weekend while Taylor Swift is playing in Seattle. And I'm going to have original beef takes. You better have, yes, uh, Chicago beef takes. I'm, I'm there for such a short period of time, but I we'll see. If, if at the festival that I'm going to, they have like a Chicago beef truck of some kind, I'll get it there. I don't think I've been to Chicago since the bear came on. I'm going to be there in September, so... You better believe there's going to be some some Chicago. Baby. I am literally like in the city of Chicago for like 36 hours, and at least 24 of them are taken up. It's like then they're sleeping, and then all the other time is filled with other stuff. So and those are just mild distractions. <laughs> yes, compared to straight to the beef. Yes, there you go. All right, well, let's get into this week's beer in our search for Seattle's best IPA. I don't think this one is technically eligible. But I wanted to review it nonetheless. Uh, you originally suggested this, I think. It's the You'll Get Nothing and Like It. You'll Get Nothing IPA and Like It. From no, that was bad. I, didn't, I did not nail it. <laughs> you didn't get the judge mails. No. You, were, you weren't there with it. Uh, from our friends at Georgetown Brewing. So it is, it is on, their, on their website as a part-time beer. Although this is the first time, apparently it's existed since like 2019, but it's always I'd never once heard just it. been on tap at the the brewery and this is the first time that i know of that they've canned it so it's much more widespread availability now can i tell you judge smales what is that from caddyshack caddyshack yeah i thought this <laughs> okay <laughs> please please tell me because i'll tell you what i thought it was from i thought it was I a thought soup nazi line oh is wow. what i thought it was i was thinking wow. at first before i really processed it and looked it up that's how you know this is a safe space on the oh. podcast <laughs> Then it was Ben Stiller in uh, oh, Happy, Happy Gilmore. Gilmore. Okay. Yeah. But uh, he says many other mean things to Happy Gilmore's grandma, but not you'll get nothing and like it. That is, alas, from Caddyshack. Well, when someone says you'll get nothing and like it, hope this is the beer they put in your hand. An unfiltered golden IPA with minimal bitterness, packed with aromas and flavors of pineapple, strawberry, ripened citrus, and pine. Those are some some fruits you don't normally get notes of. In IPAs, I would say. Pineapple and strawberry? Yeah. And then pine also. I don't know. I, yeah, I could. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I legitimately thought, I told somebody else, I was like, they asked if it was a part of the. Ooh, that's like, hoppy. Is it? Ooh, I like that. Oh, in a good way. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. I mean, it's not quite fresh hops, but. 
It's a it's a pleasant hoppiness, I would uh, say. They were like, is it a point break beer though? And I was like, no, no, it's a Seinfeld beer. <laughs> oh no. I and said this to another human being. <laughs> uh, I I'm just rethinking some things. I don't right feel now. like the soup Nazi he was much more efficient than that. He would you know, I don't I haven't watched that episode in a long time, but it was mostly like monosyllabic, I feel like. I feel like it could have been a soup Nazi line. I suppose it could have been. All right, well, let's get the, to this week's toast. Starting with, finally, Seattle is having some success in All-Star games. There we go. Congrats to Jewel Lloyd on winning All-Star MVP. Lloyd scored a record 31 points on a record 10 three-pointers in Saturday's game in Las Vegas. Won 143-127 by Team Stewart. Lloyd added six assists and four rebounds in 24 minutes as he made Bagor came off the bench for Team Stewart, posting two points, four rebounds, and two assists in 12 minutes as the three players who were all part of the Storm for uh, the last three seasons, obviously much longer that Joel Lloyd and Brianna Stewart played together in Seattle, reunited to win the All-Star game. And now I think your joke has to bear. The Storm have more All-Star MVPs <laughs> than they wins. have wins. <laughs> yeah. Still, still not true. Another week has passed, and the storm don't have any more wins. Right? I mean, that is that is accurate. There They've we go. Not played a single game in that every, week. So. Every week that passes, and the storm don't have wins, just keeps going. <laughs> uh, they are now a solid game behind everyone else in the WNBA because the Phoenix Mercury are suddenly on a hot streak. There we go. So I don't think it's enough of a hot streak that they're going to push Chicago out of the playoffs, but you can't rule it out. We want Chicago out of the playoffs. Yes. I thought we wanted Chicago in the playoffs. No, Chicago has the better two-year record, so we want them out because they won more games than the Storm last year. Okay, we'll we'll almost certainly win more games than the Storm. This Are we going to talk more about this? In the, this is like the number one thing we're covering, and <laughs> no really one else is, is covering. Yeah, really, you don't think they're doing segments every day on Sports Seattle Sports Radio <laughs> on, on this rocket lottery song. race? After, Breaking down the the eighth seed in the playoff race. After, after every day, they're like, "So, what does this mean for the storm's traffic?" <laughs> they're really just following Caitlin Clark. Every day after the storm, because it's a daily uh, radio show, right? Except yeah. not on the weekends. Every every day, do you think they're like, "This is how many days it's been since the storm have won a game?" Wow, how many days has it been? It, Weeks have gone. I don't think they've won a game in the month of July, have they? I would assume not. Because they're on like a seven-game losing streak, and there haven't been that many games in July. So, they, yes, they definitely have not. The last win for the Storm, it was when I was in New York. So that was June 24th. June? Wow, we're going on. Oh, there's a chance that they do not win a game for a month. They, they will need to win on Saturday in, almost, in all likelihood. But we'll get to the Storm's upcoming schedule later in the pod. Uh, one more. It's just, we should just do all tracking the Storm draft pick for next year. <laughs> That's all anybody cares about. In talking about the storm or for the entire podcast? The entire podcast. Yeah. yeah. We just shut it all down. We're just a storm draft pick tracking podcast. Not interested in Caitlin Clark once she's here. We're interested, but also all we care about is the transactions. <laughs> Again, text-based. <laughs> so that one didn't catch on, the text-based NBA. The low-fuss listener must not uh, have liked that one. Uh, staying on our WNBA All-Star theme, congrats to Sammy Whitcomb on matching Julio Rodriguez by posting the best score ever in the first round wow. of the three-point contest with 28, which tied that, while losing the next round. Although in this case... Really matched Julio Rodriguez. In this case, the story of the day was, in fact, in the finals, where Sabrina Ionescu made 20 consecutive shots at one point, 
which is the most ever in a three-point contest NBA or WNBA, and scored 37 of a possible 40 points, shot 25 of 27 on threes in this round. And then Sammy had to come up after her. Yeah, it's just like, like basically real, I need a perfect score. Real tough, tough for her. Uh, she's you still scored twenty four, perfectly fine. But uh, uh, that was the all time single round record, uh, which previously was thirty one under the current format, where they get the full money ball rack plus the the two in the WNBA. They're starry deep three pointers. Okay, so what were they in the NBA? May also have been starring. I was going to say, I remember there being a lot of starry there, involved. There was a lot of starry during All-Star Weekend. But I, that's, that's much too specific a memory from five months ago. All right, lastly this week, a get well soon to Rick Riz, who's missing at least this homestand for the Mariners after suffering fractured vertebrae in his neck and back and a fractured rib in an ATV accident last Wednesday during the All-Star break. Riz told Larry Stone of the Seattle Times on Tuesday he was, quote, very, very, very lucky his injuries weren't worse, and that he's eager to return how to the booth. How old do you think Rick Riz is? It's in the article. How how old is he? Would, would you? I, I don't know. He's sixty nine. I was gonna guess eighty one. So. Oh, no. oh no! Well, sixty. I don't. I really don't have really that much of a concept of what being sixty nine years old is. But I mean, versus um, any of these other ages, mother is in that ballpark. We have some concept of it. She's not broadcasting any games at this point. She's not said. only missing at least one homestand because of an ATV accident. That's, that is correct. That resulted in fractured vertebrae. F- fractured vertebrae in your neck. And you're only missing one homestand? At least. Uh, his absence may extend longer than that, but he's hoping to get back after this homestand. I mean, so, certainly I'm, wish him best of luck with that. I'm just impressed that Rick Riz was ATVing at all. <laughs> Uh, and it recommended to everybody to wear a seatbelt and a helmet while ETVing, which which he was not, alas, doing. All right, well, that's all we have for takes, and I think this moves us directly into your favorite segment. We're back to you remarking on how quickly we're getting there. Don't burn yourself. We got Mariners hot takes coming at you. You smell that? Is it the pine? Something is in the air. It's getting just a bit crisper in the evenings. Today is the last sunset after 9 p.m. until June 2024. I, Cap- I, I want to add a note. These are BS. I'm, I'm there on the coast. The sun was down well before 9 p.m. Capital of Block Party is this weekend. Yeah. It's kind of the midpoint of the summer. <sighs> I hate the midpoint of the summer, brother. Oh, no. Do you want to know what that something is? It smells like debates about running backs. Falling in love with some player named Rodrigo. Pundits ranking Matthew Stafford too high on listicles. <laughs> Football is nigh. And with that comes the end to another embarrassing Mariners season. <laughs> as far as the court of public perception is concerned. As they were losing 3-5 of five to the AL Central, the debates about, about Zach Charbonnet went undefeated. As rookie Brian Wu was getting rocked, rookie Devin Witherspoon is Defensive Rookie of the Year in our minds. It took an incredible playoff-bound season last year to delay Seahawks hype. But this year, honestly, I'm more interested in water follies than I am in J.P. Crawford follies. (laughs) 
when J.P. Crawford catches catch one there. I, I don't even know if I should say this last line. I should stop at J.P. Crawford follies. Oh, dear, it's worse? No, 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 it's not. Okay. It's just, I, I felt like that wrapped it up really nicely. Yeah. And guess who else is coming off an incredible playoff-bound season with a superstar returning to town? It's not Dave Hillwalk. <laughs> the Seahawks and football are coming, and the Mariners' chances are running out because the something that's in the air is not winning baseball. Well, if there's a positive to take from this, and I think there is. Waterfallies? Yep. <laughs> not, not this weekend, but uh, Still, coming soon. soon. Coming soon. Uh, it's, if we, if, like, as bad as the Seahawks discourse is, and it's bad, it's a million times better than the 2023 Seattle Mariners discourse. Oh, God. It's just like every game is a referendum on whether the team is any good or not. Like, people keep remarking on, well, why aren't they more consistent? It's like, it's a baseball, bro. The <laughs> entire sport is literally designed Didn't I do this take randomness. like a month ago? <laughs> Maybe. I already complained about the discourse. Don't you uh, remember that? Well, it, look. Go look up the old takes. <laughs> okay. I'll go drop that in here. I've made every take. That's true. So you can't complain about anything positive or negative that I have not already complained or been excited about. That's fair. Uh, there was a stat. So the Minnesota first baseman, I believe, uh-huh. Kirilov, Kirilov. Uh, did not get a chance to bat in the ninth. He would have was a double away for the cycle. There's only been one cycle ever by at T-Mobile Park. It was by an opposing player. Uh, do you feel like there's any chance you can? I would have it? no idea. Okay, it was a member of the Oakland Athletics, Miguel Tejada. Yeah, no, I was not Only getting one. that one. Yeah. There's only been one cycle at T-Mobile Park yes. by an opposing player. No, I think that's including the Mariners. Really? I don't believe the Mariners have had a cycle at T-Mobile Park. We had Mike Ford so close on the Fourth of July. I thought he got it. I, you were not paying any attention to this, though. Nope. You, were, you were elsewhere nope. on the 4th of July. Mike Ford needed a triple for the cycle, and there's triples alley in San Francisco. This was when the Mariners were good for a second. Do you remember? <laughs> uh, and he hit the ball down the line, and I was like, he freaking did it. Mike Ford did it, and then he pulled up at second. I was like, oh. Oh, you got to go for it in that scenario. Was I know. Was game? No, not really. Okay, yeah. Oh, you got you to gotta do everything you could do to live on. Uh, do they have a list on Wikipedia of Mariners cycles? He wondered. I only they remember Jay Buhner, Jay Buhner and Dan yeah. Wilson are the yeah. two that I remember. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So. Well, did you see in the All-Star game when they were talking to Corbin Carroll on the headphones? No, um, again, I did not see any of it. And they were like talk, talking to Corbin Carroll about the intro. So Corbin, Corbin Carroll played like Queen Anne Little League? That makes sense. He's from Queen Anne. Do you feel like he played on the field we once homered at? Oh, absolutely! The he summer did. showcase. Oh, yeah. No. What, what was he called? Not the, the summer, summer showcase. Summer classic. The summer, the summer classic. classic yes. Yeah. No, he definitely did. Uh, John Olerud hit for the cycle. I don't remember that. But so Corbin, Corbin Carroll, they're uh, talking. Dan to Wilson him. did not. A Rod did. I swear, Adrian Dan Beltre. Wilson did. Are they sure about that? Maybe Dan Wilson just had a really notable I think you're inside thinking the of park Dan, home run. Yeah, the inside the park home run. As I'm pretty sure what you're thinking of. Uh. Who else, who are the other ones? A Rod. And Adrian Beltre. Huh. But so they're talk they're talking to Corbin Carroll. And they're like talking to him about how much he liked Ichiro growing up or whatever. And they're like <laughs> What are we doing with this? Ichiro one? says his favorite young player in baseball is Luis Arias. To Corbin Carroll. I was like, another fucking mark on Ichiro. Of course 
He loves Luis Arias. <laughs> I also like Luis Arias. Nobody, I went and looked at this war for the year, and I was like, are people talking about Luis Arias for MVP? And I do not think he's anywhere near the top. Like, he does not have a chance. He'll probably receive some votes. But I was like, he might hit 400 in a season, Ichiro. And this isn't a time when adjusted for 2001 stats, that's like 450 in 2001. Do you know that hitting over, like hitting 303 is 10th in baseball? That's how low batting averages are right now. That's pretty wild. This is like an out-of-the-park baseball when you get way into the future and the stats all become neutralized. <laughs> and you're like, I just have to change some sliders here so that people are actually hitting again because the most home runs in a year is like 28 and I hate it. Like that's you're, what baseball you're, you're is trying. Manfred yeah, I'm Rob Manfred in that situation. But I'm pretty sure that the tenth the tenth leading batter in all of baseball, not the American League, not the National League, is hitting like three oh three. And Luis Arias is hitting three eighty, which again, in each row terms, is hitting five sixty. If we're the two thousand one season. His defensive war is not that strong. So where is he overall in terms of uh, he is sixth in the NL in war. So I mean, in war, yeah, it's fine. Nobody's giving him an MVP though. I think Ichiro might have finished higher than that, didn't he? Six in in the league. Yeah, during the. I'm sure he did because his defense. The 2003 season, I'm pretty sure. He no, did. that's not what we're talking about. He didn't. You can't just pick, cherry pick the one year he was good. <laughs> we're talking about the 2001 season. I can't just cherry pick his best season when I'm talking about his value. He, We're was, num- talking he about- was number one, by the way, in 2004. Uh, he was fourth in 2001. Now, the Marlins, I would also note, are not on track to win the most games but, in MLB. But w- what was the Marlins record last year, and what is it this year? Uh, that is assuming a lot of information I don't have. <laughs> I just learned there's a guy named Travis Swaggerty out there. I saw Swaggerty trending on Twitter, and I was very concerned about what this meant. I thought the Mariners had traded him. Uh, do you want to talk about the Fangraphs trade value rankings? Of course I do. So we have the honorable mentions, and then 50 through 31 have been posted thus far, featuring already a number of Mariners. Uh, the honorable mentions included number one in your heart, in your trade value rankings, Jared <sighs> Kelnick. Please don't. Look, he's still there. I was, I was very pleasantly surprised to see him. Also, both Bryce Miller and Brian Wu. This is in the trade value, though? I just don't want to think about him being traded. The point of the trade value rankings is not to actually trade Okay, so this this isn't like going into the deadline, these are players. This is like Bill Simmons. Yeah. Okay. We talked about this last year, didn't we? So Julio's going to be really high. Yeah. Okay. That's that's the point. Yeah. Kellenick was an honorable mention. I was, yeah, I was surprised to see him. I'm surprised that he wasn't higher, though, considering these people that you're going to be showing me next. You think so? Yeah. Uh, number 33, Logan Gilbert. Uh, the quote about that key quote here, controllable pitching is really valuable. Good controllable pitching. Now we're cooking with gas. And then number 32, one spot ahead of him. I accidentally posted in the same quote twice, which was not what I was trying to do here. A controllable pitching means under team control for many years. Correct. So you can manipulate their value. Yeah. Okay, got it. Yeah. So that, that's why Bryce Miller and Brian, I mean, I like Bryce Miller and Brian Wu. Yeah. But that's why Bryce Miller and Brian with their value is so high. And they're very young. Yeah. Because you've got like six years of team control with them. Correct. Okay. The Marlins record last year was 69 and 93. Not great. That is the 2022 Marlins. Their record this year, while just adding Luis Arise, 
probably others. I don't know. He's the only Marlin I know. <laughs> is 53 and 44. Okay. That That's is a good. more impressive transition than anything Ichiro did with the 2001 Mariners. I mean, yes, they added many other players besides Ichiro to go to 116 wins that year, including Brett Boone. Uh, Their record was also, they had 91 wins. The pre- like they were, I, I understand that the magnitude they went to historically good. Correct. But they were already 20 games over 500. Also, they did lose the most most valuable free agent in baseball history at the time that offseason. <laughs> so a lot of things were happening during the 2000, uh, 2001 Mariners offseason. Uh, Luis Castillo is number 32, one spot ahead of Logan Gilbert. Uh, in these rankings, by the way, I, I did not mention here. Uh, wow, I, I don't know where all this information went. I swear I put this in the notes. Uh, this list is put together by Ben Clemens. Uh, so his explanation for putting Castillo just ahead of Luis, uh, ahead of Logan Gilbert, putting both of them in a separate tier from everyone 34 and lower. Uh, I flipped Castillo and Gilbert back and forth while constructing these rankings, and I think that a lot of the arguments in favor of one also accrue to the other. In the end, I put Castillo ahead, even though he'll almost certainly generate fewer wins above replacement per dollar of salary. Surplus value is nice, and I obviously used it as an input, but I just think Castillo is better by enough to justify the higher salary. It's close, and also it's also academic. Seattle isn't trading either of them. But if you're wondering how I decided to order these two, there's your answer. I have a little preview of the number one ranking. Matthew Stafford somehow. <laughs> as voted on by the GMs. I don't even know. I have no idea how he got there. The GMs what? love him, though. This is going to be a good bet. This is this, is this week's the low post listener bet. It's only going to be like a 36-minute podcast. It's I'm, okay. I'm very curious where Shohei is going to rank because obviously there's a distinct lack of team control there. And it's also not an academic exercise with Shohei. But I saw there was a thing somebody was talking about Shohei, which was the only way that somebody that a team would trade for Shohei right now is if he agreed to sign there next year. I don't think that's true. I mean, someone would do the Kawhi thing for I, sure. I just I he's not going to do that. There's no way that Shohei is not going to hit the open market. Shohei. Like, you would have to offer such a ridiculous contract, like beyond the numbers. I mean, there's always a number. I don't if there is a number that a team is willing to offer him without competition, then... But the competition is the implied competition. It's knowing that that competition is coming. I think you could take that number and be like, I have this number, and then wait until there's an open market and be like, they're still willing to pay that number because the reality is he's more expensive at the deadline than he is as a free agent. What do you mean? Because you have to give up prospects for him as well. Oh, yeah. Uh, so if you're willing to pay him whatever that number is now, you're definitely willing to pay him that number. Well, and, the, now the question for Shohei's standpoint is, you know, obviously, knock on wood, if something were to happen that were to prevent him from pitching for a period of time, how would that affect his value? It doesn't matter. He's there right now. He's not pitching very well. I know you don't follow this, but <laughs> Shohei is not pitching particularly well right now. The point is not that he's not, whether he's pitching well or not, and I'm sure he's still pitching reasonably well we wouldn't be an upgrade on on brian Wu in the back end of the rotation <laughs> yeah okay, okay fine well, but the because you get it you get it. i don't know if you're aware of this he's like having two There's plays two shows. <laughs> yeah it's really valuable on a roster where they swore where they have limited number of players on your roster particularly no limited number of pitchers but, I think it would take a very severe injury for Shohei's value to be lower. I'm saying that's possible so i i would factor that into my calculations were i Shohei Otani. 
I don't think it's inconceivable that he extended his contract. I, I, but I, I also think someone would trade for him without that assurance because no, I he think might help you win the World Series this year. I don't and think Flags the Angels are trading him. I would be very surprised if the Angels traded him, but I would be even more surprised if he was traded. There's the tears of surprise if he was traded and extended with that team. I just I don't see there being a chance in hell of that happening. Okay. And so my takeaway from this list, again, we do not have the top 30 yet. <laughs> I feel pretty good that there are going to be two Mariners left on this list. They're going to have four of the top 33 players in baseball in terms of trade value. Who do you think is going to be left? George Kirby. Yeah, okay. He's younger than Logan yeah, no, Gilbert. Kirby's definitely going to be better. Be yeah. Yeah. He was an all-star. Yeah. Yeah. I like, mean, the thing, as the much thing as people are fretting about the Mariners right now, the Mariners are in good place, okay? And again, given that three... I mean, Gilbert is a little older, certainly, than Kirby and, and Julio. But given that three of these guys are on this primarily because they're so young, and two, they have two honorable mention pitchers as well. Like, look, pitchers are very volatile, but that's still... It's a great place to be. Of the players who are going to be mentioned, it's basically the entire starting rotation. Yeah. Which is a good thing. And Except for the guy who was the Cy Young Award winner well, two years ago. His value is not very high. It's a very I'm, good thing, I'm but aware. it is also a much more volatile thing than if you had five hitters in there, you'd be like, we're set for the next decade. I agree, but think about how good you have to be as a pitcher to be this high, pricing in that volatility. I guess that's what I would say. I'm Brian. Then we should not factor in Brian Wu and Bryce Miller that much. But Kirby, yes. They were mentioned. Gilbert and Castillo, yes. So... I mean, I'm, I also, I mean, I didn't specifically list them. I said four of the top 33. So, again, we don't have to, like, worry about the Mariners after every game, which will be great once we're worrying about who's going to be the, you know, sixth wide receiver on the roster or whether they're going to keep six wide receivers or all. I actually look forward to that debate over really? in every Mariners game. And as much as I hate that debate, too. Oh, you're ready. You're ready. Football season's coming. I'm no, telling I'm you. Not ready. I was. I forget who I was having this One conversation. One day we're gonna with. wake up and the Blue Angels are gonna be flying over. They're gonna be flying. I won't hear them. I'm too far away. They'll be flying over your house though. You'll probably hear them and be like, "Fuck, football's here." God why, damn it. Why would I hear them at my house? I'll be at the shores of Lake Washington watching them. Obviously. Every- <laughs> <laughs> they never fly over unexpectedly when you're like. I mean, you know, the Thursday practice day. Yeah, you wake up and you're like, oh, shit. We're not going to be here on the Thursday practice day. Ah, okay. So that will not be happening. Although I guess if we come back into town early enough, we could catch them on I-90. Oh, great. Uh, All right, anything else on the Mariners? Nope, not for a few months. Let's get (laughs) into Not until we can transact. (laughs) Call me when the transacting starts. I don't know if you're aware of this. There's some transacting coming up. The uh, trade deadline is... In 12 days, as this podcast is released, 12 days away. All right, let's get into the roundup, starting with the Seattle Sounders, who saw the return of Jordan Morris and Christian Roldan to the lineup on Saturday after USMNT crashed out of the Gold Cup in the semifinals and drew 1-1 at home with FC Dallas. Uh, Sounders took the lead in the 32nd minute on an own goal, but saw Dallas equalize 10 minutes later. Roland started while Morris and Nico Ladero came off the bench in the second half, but the Sounders still couldn't break through, putting just two of their 17 shots on goal in that draw. That's the end of MLS regular season play for the next month here. Not the entire end, because the season goes on forever. You know what's coming, friend. What's that? That's the most important 
tournament in Hello. all of soccer history. Finally. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely the most important soccer tournament that is happening right now. I've been waiting for it. The 2023 Leagues Cup. There we go. It kicks off this Saturday with the Sounders traveling to Salt Lake. Those are two of the three teams in a group that also includes Liga MX side Monterey. The top two teams for the group will advance to a 32-team knockout stage beginning August 2nd. The Sounders beat RSL 2-0 at home in March. Got a result in the scoreless draw in Salt Lake in April. Would probably feel good if they got that that result again on the road this time. That's a League's Cup action, baby! <laughs> You're open for some scoreless League's Cup action? <laughs> yeah. Uh, you, are you not going to unleash your League's Cup take? I do I have a League's Cup take? Yeah. What is that? You were complaining about it last week. Which thing? That, that is all we care about? Yeah, that uh, soccer fans care so much about the League's Cup, which you've deduced from all of your conversations. I've conversations already talked about this over soccer. and over and over again. I thought we're just adding on to the choke. This wasn't <laughs> offline that I was talking about it. Huh? Yeah, it was. It was before the pod last week you ranted about it. The League's Cup? Yeah. Oh. Maybe it was Nations League. I don't know. I can't keep the league straight myself. No, no, admittedly. it's the League's Cup. Yeah. Look, I'm all in on, on the World Cup right now. Okay. But we'll talk about that in a second here. Do you want to move on to that? Yeah, I just I don't care about the League's Cup right now. Look, that's that's MLS fans who care about the League's Cup. I'm all in on the World Cup. Well, the Women's World Cup begins this Thursday. There we go. The U.S. Women's National Team will open in Auckland Saturday afternoon in local time, but Friday evening at 6 p.m. Pacific against Vietnam. Actually, I guess it begins Friday also in the uh, New Zealand and Australia, which are ho- jointly hosting the World Cup. We will, of course, also be following Italy. There we go. Which opens Sunday at 11 p.m. Pacific against Argentina, also in Auckland. Is Argent- oh, that's probably a pretty good matchup right there. Oh, no, I don't think it's an Argentina women's team. It's very good. I, I don't know where to go to for projections about the Women's World Cup now that 538 has uh, basically become a ghost site. Wait, really? Yeah, they're not updating the projections anymore. After Nate Silver left? Yeah. Garrett, Mo- Garrett Morris? That's, is that his name? Possibly. The new editor? I follow him on Twitter. Uh, I follow him on threads. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I don't know why that's so funny. But... <laughs> it just is. Uh, I, yeah, I mean, they have, they have not been updating them, so I don't know if there's new formulas coming at some point, but uh, uh, there you go. I can't wait for the new formula to drop. So, <laughs> me, me too. So if you've got uh, insight into World Cup projections that I can use during this podcast, please let me know. Uh, Italy, I noticed, was in pot B, the second pot. G. Elliot Morris is his name. There you go. Not the former SNL <laughs> oh, cast yeah, member. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, that's very different. So I, I feel like the chances of Italy advancing should be pretty solid. I don't know if you're aware of this. The USWNT should advance out of their group. So they just are not doing anything. They they named G. Elliot Morris the editor, and then... There's still stories on the website. It's just the projections are not being updated. I see. So they're still doing stuff. Yeah. The sports aspect of it is just no no more. He's just not really interested in sports. That was like a Nate Silver like pet project thing. Maybe, I, I suppose. It, uh, how hard it is to keep those going, I don't know. But uh, they, are, they are not continuing at this point. So U.S. is in Group E. They're along with Vietnam, the Netherlands, and Portugal. Uh, also in Group G with Italy and Argentina, Sweden, and South Africa. So Sweden probably the favorite to advance out of this group. The, to win this group, but Italy with a strong chance to finish second. In okay. 
Is there any scenarios where the, uh, let's see, so the U.S. is in Group E, Italy in Group G. Could those teams, oh, the winner of Group E does take on the runner-up of Group G. So the most likely scenario would probably be a U.S. women's national wow. team Italy matchup in the in the round of 16. Allegiances will be tested. <laughs> I, I, don't, I don't feel as strongly about the Italy women's team. I've got to admit, wow. it's the men's team. Sexist. <laughs> Proven. There's just not the history there. There is more of a history with the U.S. women's national team. I like that team way more than the U.S. men's national team. I mean, it's Fully not even a close. Uh, but the thing is, the knockout stages of this, like the semifinals and the finals, all going to be played exclusively in the middle of the night. Wait, really? Yeah. Oh, I thought Australia would actually work out nicely for us. No. It's like 3 a.m., the final. The finals at 3 a.m.? Yeah. I don't, I don't, I don't know if my commitment to the U.S. Women's National Team is that strong. Your confidence is that strong, though. Well, You're already putting okay, them well, in the finals. The semifinals are there as well. Like they don't have to get all the way to the finals, because they did not get to the finals in Tokyo during the Olympics last time. But they've been better, strangely, in the World Cup than in the Olympics for some reason. Three a.m. on the West Coast. That might be a DVR that and just avoid Twitter and and watch it in the morning situation. It's like six a.m. on the East Coast. Yeah, still not great. But better. A I lot guess. better. Better. And then like middle of the day in England, like 11 a.m. Mm-hmm. It's not great. I, why, why don't they just time it in the morning in Australia? Because they generally like play these based on local time, not based on what's the most convenient for the world as a whole. The United States of America? <laughs> Well, you know it's going to be convenient for the United States of America. What's that? The next Men's World Cup. There we go. That's also really late in Australia, though, isn't it? Uh, it's. I believe it's 8 o'clock local time. That's quite late to be playing the World Cup final. Yeah, I don't know. Because for scheduling meetings with Australia, it's not a terrible place. It's just like their morning is our evening. Exactly. I don't... Might have to go in to start... Correcting some things, mode. Oh, wow. wow. This doesn't make sense. Why would you, in some of the most important TV markets in the world, I get it. It's okay. For Europe, it's fine. It makes sense. Also, it is. And maybe Europe. But just why? It, it would be worse if it could for the East Coast. Like, you're sort of tipping the other end. But, like, just play it in the morning in Australia, and it's good for everybody. I don't know if it's good for everybody. Oh, it's bad for Europe. Yeah. All right. All right, Seattle Storm. As we alluded to earlier, the schedule doesn't get much easier coming out of the All-Star break as two of their first three games will be against the league's top two teams. On Thursday, they host 19-2 Las Vegas in their first home game since July 2nd. And then next Tuesday, they start a three-game road trip at New York the first time they'll face Brianna Stewart at Barclays Center. In between, a winnable game against Chicago on Saturday. Mm. Yeah, I know you I know how you feel about that. The first of two meetings with the Sky in a week span. Chicago is currently a game up on Los Angeles for the last playoff spot under interim head coach and former Storm assistant Emery Vuitton-Sever, who replaced James Wade mid-season after Wade took an assistant coaching job with the Toronto Raptors. Okay, so these two games with Chicago. Yeah. What do we want to have happen in them? Do we want... We want the Storm to maybe win? Yes, want the Storm to win these. Storm knock winning. Chicago out of the playoffs. That's a bigger deal. Because the Storm, like, record-wise, they're just probably not going to catch any of these other lottery teams. They're, they're too far ahead. Okay. So it's a much bigger deal. Chicago missing the playoffs is a much bigger deal than the Storm's own record. Okay. 
So we're cheering for the storm in these games. Yes. Wow. I never yeah. thought I'd say those words. <laughs> it's a very complex calculation. <laughs> so both games against Chicago, the ideal scenario would be still lose to New York and Vegas. But Chicago is basically the only team around the league that we want them to beat. Uh, I mean, we'll see how things continue to play out. But that's, the, that's yes. Yes. The incentives are most aligned there. Okay. I can get behind that. It's good to know what you're rooting for. Because to me, I saw that they were winnable games against Chicago, and that made me scared. I know. I, I, you, you immediately recoiled. <laughs> I flinched. <laughs> I, I was just happy to see that the schedule doesn't get much easier. It, it, I feel like they're just constantly playing Vegas and New York, too. I mean, that's the thing. Is, you know, at some point, they're going to have to play teams that are not Vegas and New York. This is going to flip, I think, after uh, Tuesday's game at New York. The, the schedule will become much less favorable for the Storm. And you don't think that these two wins against Chicago would be dangerous, though, if they were to win both? A little bit, I suppose. Okay. But there's a lot of teams in the mix still ahead of them that they'd have to pass besides Chicago. Again, it's everyone else. All the other teams are currently ahead of them. But yeah, uh, if you look after that game at New York, next up, they complete that road trip at Chicago, at Indiana. Uh, they play at Phoenix. Do you want them to beat, to in- beat Indiana or lose to Indiana? We want them to lose to Indiana. Yes. Okay. If Indiana makes the playoffs, that's amazing. Okay. So, not amazing, but it's good news for the <laughs> They But they still have four games left against Chicago. They have two games left against Indiana, two games left against Minnesota. Only one left, or two games left against Phoenix. These are all teams that are near the bottom of the playoff standings or in the lottery. So they've they've now gotten that that's that game against at New York is their last matchup against the Liberty, and they only have one game remaining after next week against the Aces. Okay. It's a little bit of UW football news. Uh, the all Pac-12 preseason teams are out. UW placed three players on the preseason first team. Uh, offensive lineman Troy Faotano, wide receiver Rome Odunze, and edge Braylon Trice. Four more on the second team. Quarterback Michael Penix Jr., wide receiver Jalen McMillian. McMillan. McMillions. <laughs> edge Zion Tupula Fatui and cornerback Jamar Muhammad. Penix was behind Caleb Williams but ahead of both Bo Nix and Cam Wright. I was wondering. I was like, who is he behind? And I was like, ah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, okay. you kind of got to concede that one. <laughs> the guy who's the clear favorite to win the highest win. That was the only one. I, I went through the other people, and I was like, no. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, fine. <laughs> like, ahead of Bo Nix, that's all we can ask for there. But three out of 22 on the first team, four out of, uh, you know, not getting specialists, four out of... 22 or 25 on the second team. Pretty good place for you to take. Yeah, when you are a very good team and bring everybody back. Yeah. That's a good situation to be in. Well, you know who's not in this good situation in the rankings, oh, at least. It's the Seahawks. It's ESPN's uh, Intel-based position rankings wrapped up on Tuesday with the Seahawks' only top 10 player at any position. DK Metcalf checking in number eight among wide receivers. Do you think last year, did we talk about this last week? Did they have any players top 10 at any position last year? Probably DK again. I think they would have also, I, you know, let me see if I have this in the notes from this time last year. That's good. Yeah, yeah go check the notes. Read those takes that I gave to you. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> but it, it just, I think that they would have, I, thinking back on it, I can imagine they only would have had DK, probably, Maybe a Jamal Adams or Quandre Diggs. Okay. 
Okay. Let's go through this. Uh, GK was 10th last year okay. among wide receivers. Uh, Jordan Brooks was 10th among wow. all linebackers. Okay. Bobby Wagner was 8th last year. He was not on the Somehow team. he dropped. My, I'm just noting this. It was in my notes. He dropped out of the rankings after having a way better season. Yeah, it's almost like these rankings don't matter. Sorry. These rankings are, are a very good way to understand how the league views players. They are not deterministic of your team's results. Jamal Adams ranked tenth among safeties last year, so they had three player, top ten players. Yeah, but like it's not that far off when you're looking at it. If you look at the old Jamal Adams, did not get mentioned this year, did he? Well, why would you mention Jamal Adams in the year after he's coming off an injury? I mean, he was coming off an injury last year too. So that that's a certain something. About last year, their quarterback is. wasn't also receiving votes. That is that is an important and correct that, thing. That is a big. Difference. I mean, the other thing that I thought was interesting about it, like how many Seahawks made the Pro Bowl initially last year. I think it was at least three, right? Quandre, one of the wide receivers, and Gino made it as part of the original ballot. Gino was, was on the original ballot. I think so. I mean the. The NFC quarterbacks weren't very good. Uh, you know, one of them did, did not crack the Pro Bowl roster. Was in the top ten of the rankings. Matthew Stafford. Yes. I was just so here's here's my question for you because I feel like this is the thing we do every year when we look at these rankings. And at no, I understand this is the point of the rankings. The point of the rankings is to make people make people angry in July, right? Ultimately, that's what it is. Nobody is ever like, yeah, that just nailed it. Execs around the league or exactly. whatever. But I mean, there's no rankings anywhere. Like this, this is the one thing I've, I've thought about. I forget. The only I reason you at. rank things is to make people angry. Because no one processes. It's just the default. If you agree with it, you just go right on by. Yeah. The only things you stop on are where you disagree with uh-huh. it. I I can't remember what ranking I was looking at, but I had that thought the other day. So, we've thought about this a lot about Russell Wilson, whether it's supposed to be predictive or whether it's valuing long-term career or whether it's valuing the most recent season. And I don't know how any of those things you could lead to Matthew Stafford being in the top 10 quarterbacks. Uh, I mean, I suppose... Happening to win a Super Bowl two years ago? Being the quarterback of the team who happened to win the Super Bowl? That's it. He was given a lot of credit for it. Being drafted with the first pick like 12 years ago? Maybe more? Yeah, Gino was the... Who right. were the top 10 quarterbacks? Who was behind Matthew Stafford? Right, let me pull it up. Clearly better. There has to be somebody. Quandre Diggs and Tariq Woolen were both original pro bowlers along with Gino. Yeah, where's... Tariq Woolen didn't even receive votes? No, he was in the... He was an honorable mention. These are just the new ones, that the offensive Correct. players. Correct. Okay. Yes, I'm just doing the ones since last week. And then obviously the other thing about the Seahawks is... They they did have another Pro Bowler last year who was not eligible for these rankings. Oh, you're so confused by this. Jason Myers. Oh, they didn't do kicker rankings? Yeah, they did not do specialists, which is a spot where the Seahawks actually do quite well, I would say, all things considered, is special teams. At some point, having a lot of pretty good players, like I'm not... I think if it's you're... sort of the opposite of the Mariners, right? Like we just talked about all the guys that they have. In yeah, this the trade. Mariners have some really good players. <laughs> well, I mean, obviously, the Mariners Val- have a couple of re- really good players on the roster performing trade, quite well. Trade value is not exactly the same as real value, but the, <laughs> the issue with the Mariners is the, the Mariners have the position Jared, that are, Jared Kelenic on the roster that are. <laughs> he was an honorable mention. I'm talking I'm about so... this four in the top thirty-three. The, Mar- the Mariners have a lot of superstars. They have. Brian Wu. 
<laughs> I don't know why you're so focused on the honorable mentions. <laughs> very concerned with this. If you did it as trade value, uh, the Seahawks probably still wouldn't have anybody that high, I suppose, but because they don't have combinations of really valuable I mean, young offensive players. I mean, Tariq Woolen would be, you talked about it last week, his contract, that element. No, Tariq, Tariq Woolen would be like fairly high. But the Charles highest Cross players, also. Yeah, Charles Cross. And yeah. Devin Witherspoon. I mean, it's tough with rookies, but like. But by definition, if, you know, your guys drafted in the top 10 and like. Most of the trade value when you talk about football is going to be quarterbacks. Yes. So like the trade value for quarterbacks exceeds every other position by so much. This is why I was wondering about the, this is a separate subject, but the running back discourse. Yes. And it's like, there's just a salary cap. So if you're a person who wants running backs to get paid more, which I don't understand why anybody cares about what anybody else is paid, why they should be paid more or less. I mean, it, it <clears throat> is unfortunate that running backs are paid so less, given A, it's a position that is almost exclusively black players. And, you know, if that money gets shifted to quarterbacks, obviously, historically, white players have been you know, given preferential treatment at quarterback. So that's a that's a troubling aspect. And then number I'm two, sure it's a position... I'm not sure if the money has just shifted to quarterbacks, though. Like, I it's shifted it, everywhere. I mean, that'd be an interesting question to ask. I, it, I mean, there's been other shifts, but I think the biggest shift has been that quarterbacks now make so much more. It, it's just... Because we recognize how important they are. We're open to the idea of fair market value, but there's a salary cap. Most teams are spending about the same amount of money. It's more or less, if you consider yourself athlete-friendly or whatever, like, I can agree, I suppose, that quarterbacks, I guess, have made enough money. I don't know. But, like, Geno Smith is making an appropriate amount of money. But the other aspect that Mina has been hitting on a lot on NFL Live and on Twitter as well is that running backs have disproportionately short careers. Most of the value that they do provide NFL teams comes when they're on their you know, rookie scale contracts where they can't negotiate on the open market. A lot of their value also gets wasted in the three years they have to spend in college because of the NFL's rules. Like, honestly, like, I, I, I've joked about this in the past. Like, I ran uh, regression on yards per carry and aging, and, like, the peak age for running backs in terms of yards per carry was, like, somewhere in their teens. Yeah. I wonder if players, if you're a young athlete, if it just makes sense to not play running back. And that's where the market has to kind of like correct itself. I think that's an element of it. I mean, hopefully NIL changes this conversation a little bit because now college running backs can capitalize on their value at that level in Get a different way. I mean, it, it is true that, yeah, I mean, I, if players who have that athletic profile just shift to playing wide receiver instead because wide receivers are another position that is getting paid instead of running backs. Or in the secondary. Like, that's not a net negative to society. But it, I understand how it's tough for running backs who, you know, it's too late for that change. All right, the quarterback rankings. Number one, Patrick Mahomes. Lowest ranking, number two. I'm kind of surprised who had... We've already been through that. The internet already talked about that. Oh, I it was it. on threads. <laughs> I haven't logged on in a while. <laughs> uh, number two, Joe Burrow. Number three, Josh Allen. Number four, Aaron Rodgers. Don't know about that one. Number five, Justin Herbert. Well, you understand. You get what the rankings are. I, I do. I, 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 I understand it, but I don't understand it. Number six, Jalen Hurts. 
You yeah. can lead a team to the Super Bowl and still be behind some players of a certain kind. Number seven, Lamar Jackson. Uh-huh. Win an MVP and still be behind. Number eight, Trevor Lawrence. Number nine, Dak Prescott. Number 10, Stafford. Did you say, did you have Herbert? Yeah. He so, was five. Okay. You you just need to see visual. No, proof. no, I'm lo- I'm looking at who else is there. I'm trying trying to think of. I mean, honestly, like if we're talking about careers, so, so the honorable mentions were Sean Watson, Kirk Cousins, oh, man. Kirk Jared did... Goff, Derek Carr, Tua Tagovailoa. <clears throat> I mean, Tua. You know, the concern about his health, I think, is a big part of it. Is a big part of what? What are we judging here? Is it a big part of how good a player is going to be going forward? How good they are right now? How good they've been in the past? What is this a ranking of? Tua Tagovailoa is a better quarterback than Matthew Stafford is right now. Sure. And in the time is, that they played last year, Tua was way better than Matthew Stafford was. He was. I think there's a concern that I mean Stafford. Yes, he probably should have dropped. Is Stafford Matthew as well. Stafford healthy? Coming off a season-ending injury, like. I, I just don't understand where the argument is for this. Well, I think the other element of it is that... He won the Super Bowl two years ago? Tua had not performed at this level prior to last season. So? And that, you know, Mike McDaniel in the offense and the wide receivers there, many of whom were in the top 10. Well, Tyreek Hill was in the top 10. I believe Jalen Waddell was also receiving votes. Weren't they quite match. a bit worse without Tua? Weren't they, like, undefeated with Tua as their quarterback? They were definitely worse without him, yeah. I feel like even Russell Wilson makes sense being on here. Like, is his decade of success not good? I I would Did rather not receive a vote. If you, it's just just like the MVP. <laughs> if if you were to, but is he being judged because of his contract, because of the play just last year? Because again, if we're talking about body of work, Russell Wilson's career of work is more impressive than Matthew Stafford's, and the same amount of Super Bowls. Yeah, and if we're talking about last season. Aaron Rodgers wasn't that good. So. All, all of these things, they always lead to Matthew Stafford being somewhere on this list really high, though. They, they really I'm a do. little shocked. I just feel like Kirk Cousins kind of can't get a break. Oh, no. People do not like <laughs> Kirk Cousins. You know, you did, Ryan Tannehill did not receive a vote. He didn't get a vote either? No. I feel, I even feel like... Is starting quarterback anymore? I feel like Kirk is probably the one who is most wronged by not being in the top ten there. Maybe Tua. I'm not gonna not gonna go to bat for Kirk Cousins. Visa V Matthew Stafford. I'm not gonna go to bat for Kirk Cousins. I'm just not gonna do that. Oh, that's right. They drafted Levis. So. So Tannehill will still be a starting quarterback. <laughs> what do you? What do you they drafted Will Levis in the second round. You're like, his job is gone? Wow. I'd rather have Kenny Pickett than Matthew Stafford. If we're talking about future value, I would take Kenny Pickett. We're talking about just this season. Just this season, I would rather have Kenny Pickett. I will put it down in money right now. QBR, whatever metric you want, that Kenny Pickett will be a better quarterback than Matthew Stafford in the 2024 season, 2023 season. All right, I'll need to ponder that. need to do some research before I determine whether to accept that wager. Uh, and maintain my undefeated streak in our wagers from last season about DK Metcalf's receiving yards and when when Drew Locke would be the <laughs> starter. <laughs> last year was a long time ago, man. Uh, so Gino was among the others who received votes along with Kyler Murray. How sad for us. Daniel Jones and Justin Fields. Justin Fields getting votes over Russell Wilson. <laughs> like that's that's 
real optimistic about Justin Fields' development this season, I gotta say. So. Yeah, I don't know about that one. Uh, well, you, you, I, we have to put some stipulations around it, maybe, and like you have to play a certain. I, Matthew yeah. Stafford can't play one game yeah. and, and then have an amazing game and then injure himself for the year or whatever. I don't want to backdoor my way into this. That's not. not yeah, you just want you just want sustained great play from Matthew <laughs> Stafford, like you've come to expect. They won the Super Bowl. Uh, <laughs> I'm, I, I'm aware. They're probably going to win the fucking NFC West this year. I'm sure there'll be a lock for over. I for that was a the, bold prediction. When we do the over-under, just like... Actually, or did you make that bold prediction and beat me to it? I feel like... About the Rams? Like, yeah. I don't think so. You think I was making bold predictions about the Rams? Probably not. Uh, Ken Walker the third was the uh, other honorable mention for the Seahawks at running back. Taylor Lockett also receiving votes at wide receiver. I mean, look, this, you know, it doesn't matter how many top 10 wide receiver seasons Tyler Lockett has in terms <laughs> of actual production and value. It's just never, no one is ever going to be convinced by Tyler Lockett outside of the Seattle area. T- 10 wide receivers, like you can come up with 10 pretty good wide receivers. There are 10 amazing wide receivers. If you look at Seth Walder's numbers, though, like... Tyler Lockett should be there. It's, it's just Seahawks fans and stat geeks on Tyler Lockett. We're the only subsets of groups. And since we belong to both of those, you've thrown all your support to Jackson Smith and Jigba instead. I mean, it's just going to open things up for everybody. Yeah. They they might spread it around a little bit too much. It'll be one of those things when you look at, uh, I don't know, it's Football Outsiders. Is that a thing anymore? It is not a thing anymore. Is it gone? Aaron Schatz is writing elsewhere now. Okay. Yeah. Uh, are there still going to be DVOA stats or is Aaron Schatz going to have those elsewhere? I believe so. Okay. It'll be like one of those things when you look at the top 10 wide receivers in DVOA and you're like, there are three players from the Seahawks, two, four, and eight or something. And you're just like, holy shit, what is going on? That's like, I think the Bengals have been like that a few times when you look at it and you're like, oh my God, how are all these players this high? That'll be the Seahawks next year with those three receivers. I hope so. I, and their like overall production is not necessarily going to be that high. It's just going to be the efficiency. Yeah. That's the Tyler Lockett way. It's also the Jackson Smith and Jigbo way. Yeah, it's so, it's good. Yeah. Uh, anything else on the Seahawks? I was trying to look up what the Rams over-under was for next year. I'm Seven sure. and a half games. Really? That's it? You think it should be higher? Yeah. I think they were five and 12 last year. <laughs> I'm fully aware of what happened last season. A lot of faith in Matthew Stafford that you have there. You're already <laughs> betting on him as being better than Kenny Pickett. Yes. 100%. You didn't really jump at that. I just, I need some more context. Is, it's, the, is the first Rams at Seahawks in 53 days? There's a countdown for it, or are you doing this math on your own? No, it just starts in 53 days. Rams <laughs> at Seahawks. Is that week one? I mean, it'd be weird if they had the number of days for it and it wasn't week one, but also 53 days. September 10th, Rams at Seahawks. Are you freaking ready to see your boy? (laughs) You know, I'd be fine with it being a a shootout win for the Seahawks. You know, those are my favorite types of victories anyway. Force the the Seahawks to Matthew Stafford will probably have one good drive the entire game and ride that to glory for the rest of his life. Oh, this this I haven't missed about the football <laughs> discourse. This I have definitely not missed. Oh boy. On that note, 
Thanks for listening. Thanks. <laughs>